Very cool. Who had a good New Year's? Yeah? 2016 going well for you so far, I hope. Nice. It's been pretty good weather, really. Today's been the second bad day of weather. Uh, it's only the third. That's, yeah, that doesn't really work, eh? Anyway, 2016 is going to be a sunny, sunny year. Very cool. Um, I want to I wanna talk to you uh, on this, the first Sunday of 2016, um, from a book that, that we don't usually preach from. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know why. I was kind of just prepping, and um, I stumbled across it, having kind of semi-forgotten that it was in the Bible, uh, and then went, wow, this is really uh, pertinent for, for me and where I am in 2016. And I think that, that maybe God has something to say uh, to us from here. And then I prayed about it a little bit more, and I was like, yeah, no, God definitely has something to say uh, to us from here. And then I was still a little bit confused because it's a, a bit of a weird book. So I texted Jordan, and Jordan was like, yeah, no, nah, God definitely has something to say from us from here. So uh, turn with me to the book of Haggai. If you don't know where Haggai is, it's between the two Z books in the Old Testament, which is Zephaniah and Zechariah. It's near the end. Um, yeah, it's, it's two chapters long, so if you flip too fast, you might miss it. If you've got a smartphone, you're already there. But we will put it up on the screen for you, uh, and I'm reading from the NLT version. We're going to read uh, from around about verse 1 down to 15. We're going to drive straight into it. Uh, and, and the reason, just before we go, uh, that, that I'm speaking from Haggai today is I think that uh, it's a picture of a group of people standing at a point uh, of time similar to us, right? There, there's going to be things, I think, when we read this verse, when we read this uh, portion of Scripture, that you're going to identify with. That You might be like, man, I, I feel like that. That sounds like me. And I, I think that the Bible's amazing in how it can do that, that these stories from, from hundreds of years ago can, can seem so fresh and relevant to us. So I pray that that, that happens for So uh, let's start it up at verse 1, chapter 1. It says this, On August 29 of the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shelatil, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua's son of Jehozadak, good names, the high priest. This is what the Lord of heaven armies says. The people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent his message to the prophet Haggai, why are you living in luxurious homes while my house lies in ruin? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of heaven and the army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for a rich harvest, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruin, says the Lord of heaven's armies. While all of you are busy building your own fine houses, it's because of that that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I have called for drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all your other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. Who's encouraged today? Right, let's skip down to verse 14. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of heaven's armies, on September 21 of the second year of King Darius's reign. Why don't you bow your heads with me and let's pray. God, I thank you for uh, just this opportunity, God, that we get to, to gather together as your people in your house 
on the first Sunday of 2016. That, that we get the opportunity to say, God, this is a year that we want to dedicate to you, God. We, we've got other ideas, we've got other things, we've got resolutions, but, but beyond that, bigger than all of that, God, we want 2016 to be a year where we pursue you, God, where we follow you, where we lean into you, God. I thank you that you're always speaking, that you're always saying something to us, and in this moment, we choose to lean in and, and hear what it is. God, I pray that as I speak it, it wouldn't be my words, it wouldn't be uh, my capability or anything like that, God, but that you would speak uh, as we are listening, God, somewhere between me saying the words and, and them landing in our hearts that you would transform them, God, that, that we would not leave here the same as when we came in, that you would encourage us, that you would motivate us, that you would convict us if we need it, but that we would not leave the same. Amen. Very cool. So, uh, bit of a confronting verse, right? You're like, man, 2016, thought we'd kind of ease our way into it. I'm still on holiday. I haven't gone back to work yet. don't really want to be told off. Right, but, but here the Israelites are, and, and they're the Jewish people at the end of a season. Right? They're, they're looking back on it, and, and they're thinking, I thought that would be different. That's where these people are in Haggai. They're in this place of thinking, man, I thought that, that we'd be in a different place to where we are now. I, I thought that something different would have happened. I don't know what 2015 was like for you. I don't know what kind of year it was, but I'm fairly sure that at the start of it, you would have made some resolutions, right? Maybe you're the type of person and, and you don't believe in resolutions, right? Like, ah, I don't do resolutions. So you had some thoughts. You had an inkling. You had kind of a, a bit of a way that you felt you would like 2015 to look like, right? And, and maybe you're here now and you're in 2016 and, and, and you're looking back at the year that 2015 was, and you're thinking, man, I thought it would have been different. Maybe 2015 was a great year for you. Maybe some amazing things happened. But at the same time, maybe you're in a place where you're like, but, but that didn't, right? But, but this thing didn't happen. But this thing didn't change. And, and that's the place that these people are in, right? Have you, ever, have you ever had a moment like that? Right, ever had a moment where no matter how you thought of them, the chances are that you, there was something you'd like to see happen in 2016, something that maybe didn't happen in 2015. Maybe it was something you wanted to happen in 2014 or 2013, and, and there's this feeling of, of, man, I thought things would be a little bit different. It, New Year's are, are an interesting time, right? Have you ever had one of those, those moments where you wake up and you have this unsettling kind of sinking feeling? You know what I mean? You're, you, you wake up thinking that at, at this point in my life, I, I just expected a little bit more. At, at this point in my life, I, I thought that I had reached what, whatever it is, right? I thought that there'd be something different or, or something better. And, and New Year's are a beautiful time for these feelings, right? New Year's are great because we can look to the, the new coming year and we can be excited about what's going to happen. But at the same time, sometimes there's a, a bit of a sinking feeling of, oh man, there was a whole year that's just gone by and, and I, I didn't do what I wanted to do. I didn't accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. I didn't become the person that, that I wanted to become. And this feeling can happen at any stage, right? It's, it's not reserved to, to waiting till you're a little bit older. You can have this feeling when you're young. You can have this feeling when you're old. You can have this feeling when you're successful. You can have this feeling when you have nothing, right? It could be that you're, you're at university and you thought, man, I thought by, by this time in my university career, I, I'd, I'd have figured out what I want to do when I finish. And I got no idea, right? It could be that, that you've started a, a new job, and you thought, man, I thought that this job would be amazing. I thought that this job was going to be the answer. This job would bring me meaning, that I'd feel complete in this job. And, and, and you're entering 2016, you're thinking about, man, what, what new job can I get? Where, where can I, I go different? It might be that you're at, at, at a certain age, and, and you thought, man, certainly I, I'd be married by now. 
Certainly I'd, I'd have someone and you're not married or, or maybe you are married and you thought that your, your marriage would be different, that it, that it would be better, that it would be easier. Wherever you are, there might be that feeling that, man, I, I thought things would be different. Maybe it's you've got kids and that was the thing that you thought, man, when I have kids, my life's going to be better. When I have kids, everything's going to be different. And, and now you're here and you're, you're thinking that there would have been something more, something different. Maybe it was, I'm going to try religion. Right, 2015, you're like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try God for 2015. You're here in 2016, and, and you tried that religious thing, and, and your life hasn't really changed, and you're thinking, maybe this is my last Sunday in church. Maybe it hasn't really worked. Maybe, maybe this, this isn't what I thought it would be. I really thought that by this point, there'd be something more, something better, or, or something different. Right? This is the mood when Haggai is written. This is the mood when, when this prophet arises and this, this book takes place. The people were saying, we really, really thought we'd be in a different place than we are now. And to understand why, we need to go back and, and look at the king that, that was before any of this happened, King Solomon, right? King Solomon is, is David's son, and, and he's a wise, wise king, and he's got a bit of a knack for romantic poetry, some of you guys haven't read uh, Songs of Solomon, uh, but he's an interesting guy, right? And, and during the, the fourth year of King Solomon's reign, he starts construction on the most magnificent temple for God, right? This thing is, is mind-blowing. This thing is it's so impressive that, that people would come from all over the world just to look at it. Right, And they would come and they would look at it and they would be so impressed with the, the magnificence of this temple that on the spot they'd be convinced this God is the one true God. Man, this God has built such an amazing temple. He's inspired these people to do so much. He's blessed these people so much. This God must be the one true God. And they would worship God there, even though they're from all around the world, thousands of other religions. They'd come there and, and they'd meet God. And it was amazing. But just after King Solomon died, that the people's hearts, in fact, even just at the end of King Solomon's life, the, the, the Israelite people, the Jewish people, they started to turn away from God. And they didn't, they didn't do like a 180 and be like, see you later, God. They just started to kind of look over here a little bit. And, and there was other religions and, and, and other idols and other gods. And, and, and so they just kind of started mixing. They, they made a bit of a buffet plate of religion. They went, yeah, some, some gods, some Yahweh, but, but also some of this over here, some Baal, some, some other stuff. Let's, let's just, you know, season it with variety. And, and so here the people are, they, they got distracted like people often do, and, and they started worshipping idols, and, and as a result, the nation of Israel falls apart. It splits into to two people groups. And, and, and then in, in uh, 587 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar and his, and his army, they crush the southern kingdom of Judah, right? And this is the kingdom that has the temple. This is what they call the remnant. And, and they come in, and they crush it, and they destroy the temple. Right, which is important because not only was being defeated completely humiliating, right? You just got your, your bums handed to you by an invading army and you're meant to be the strong ones in, in kind of the region. But they come in and they destroyed the whole city, kidnapped all the people. But to add insult to injury, they destroyed the house where God dwelt, right? They stripped away the spiritual identity of the Jewish people and, and the people are devastated. And this is something that we as, as New Zealanders, we can't quite understand, Right? We, don't, we don't have something that's so important to us as a nation like this is, but, but it's, it's like the heart of their nationhood, the heart of who they are as a people has been taken away. And, and everyone feels it, no matter how old, no matter how young. They all know, man, we as a people, we're missing something. And their language starts to turn to, to conversations like, man, we used to be. Do you remember when once upon a time we were? 
right? And then what happens is the Jewish people are taken into captivity for decades, specifically for for 50 years. Technically it's 70 because they were already in captivity for about 20 years before the temple was destroyed. But after the temple is destroyed, they're in captivity for 50 years, right? 50 years after the temple, they're in captivity and, and they're pining over their lost home. Some of them are in this, this forgotten land, this, this faraway land. They don't feel like their people anymore. They don't have their culture. They don't have their people around them. They feel lost, right? And so for 50 years, they're just wishing, man, I wish we could go home. Or man, we are home, but I wish it could be our home again. I wish we could rebuild the temple. Then it would feel like the proper Jewish land again. Then it would feel like the proper place we grew up. Then it would, we would be Israelites again. We would be the Jewish people. The nation of Judah would be restored. Man, I just wish, I just wish we could rebuild the temple. And so you can only imagine their relief when in 538 BC, about 50,000 people are allowed to travel back to Jerusalem, to go back to their hometown, back to their home city and the capital of Judah, and they're allowed to rebuild, right? Finally, after five decades, they get to go home, which we need to realize. This is like, imagine, you didn't live super long in those days. So, so this is pretty much an entire nation of people who never got to see their home. Right? They heard stories of it. They, they heard tellings of it. Man, the temple was amazing. People came from all around the world. We were the place to come to. Our God was the God to meet. We were set apart. We were special. We were anointed. We were blessed as a nation. And then everything fell apart. And, and here they are, and they get a chance to rebuild it, a chance to, to restore it. And so after five decades, 50 years, they get to go home. And they're excited because they get a place to call their own and they get to rebuild the house for God. And so they, they go back and they started to rebuild the temple, right? They start off and, and first of all, they build the foundation of the temple and then they build the altar of the temple. And then they went back to start rebuilding the rest of the temple for God. And the Samaritans, right, the age-old enemies of the Jewish people, they come in and they start, it says in the Bible, they start to oppose them. Right, we don't know quite what they did. Maybe they had raiding parties. Maybe they just stood kind of on the outside of the city and, and mooned them and did like faces at them and just called them names. But in some sort of way, it was probably a little bit more kind of violent than that. They did that and then also ran in and killed some people. Um, but they started to oppose the Jewish people. Right? And, and the Jewish people get uh, a fright and they get afraid and suddenly they're like, oh man, th- this got hard. Right? This, this just got difficult. It must not be the right time for us to rebuild the temple because it's not easy to do, right? This must not be the right time for us to do this because it just got hard. And so the Jewish people, they stop rebuilding the temple. They're in Jerusalem. They're in the capital of Judah. They're back in their nation rebuilding the thing that made them a people, but they get opposed and they stop. And for 14 years, the temple is incomplete. For 14 years, it's a foundation and an altar, but it's not what it's meant to be. It's not what they know it's meant to be. And for 14 years, the Jewish people have to walk past this building and and, and see their inadequacy, see their inability to be the people they know they're meant to be, see their shortfalling. You know, there's conversations in homes around the dinner table like, oh man, if only we were as good as our grandfathers. You know, they had a temple. People came from all around the world to see it. We could rebuild the temple. We We just can't. We're just not good enough. We're just not strong enough. The Samaritans are too scary. Let's just wait. And so for 14 years, they didn't work on the temple. For 14 years, for five decades, it's all the people thought about. 
Like for a generation, it's the solitary goal of these people. And then they get opposed. And so for 14 years, they just put it on hold. When it got difficult, for 14 years, they put the project on hold instead of working on God's house. And guess what they did? Right? They didn't just twiddle their thumbs. Instead of working on God's house, they started building their own houses. Right? They're like, well, we've got all these materials. We've got a bit of spare time on our hands. Don't want to build the temple. Samaritans don't like that. Why don't I extend my house? Why don't I build a little extension onto, you know, a little patio out the back? Maybe a bit of a pizza oven, a second kitchen, you know, a visiting, visiting room for the, for the mother-in-law when she comes. You know, and they start to expand their houses. And, and it says in the Bible they built very, very nice houses, luxurious houses. In some translations it talked about paneled houses, which is a type of house in those days that was like the, the top of the line. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the marble countertop. It's the, the, the smart TV. It's the fireplace. It's the, the recliner. It's the ensuite onto the bedroom. And the ensuite also has a shower and a bath and a spa tub kind of thing in it, right? It's, it's nice Houses, And so they forgot about God's house. And when they did that, God raised up the prophet Haggai to call the people back to rebuild the temple of God. Right? So, so this is where they are. And, and, and the reason that the people gave to, to not rebuild the temple is they said the time is not now. It's, it's not the time right now. We will. We're not saying we won't rebuild the temple. It's just that right now, it's not super convenient. Right? Right now, it's, it's not the time to do it. See, they, they didn't think it was the time because they'd, they'd been oppressed, right? They'd, they'd been opposed. And, and, and so when it got hard, they stopped, which is funny because I don't know about you, but so often in life, that's what happens to me, right? I, I get a dream. I get a thing that I want to see happen. I, I see a change that I know God's calling me to be about. And I'm like, this is the thing. And I, I set myself to it, right? I go about doing it. And, and then it gets hard and I'm like, whoo, tapping out, right? I'm, I'm Get, I'm just going to wait till it gets a little bit easier. I'm just going to wait till it, it's, a, it's a little bit easier to do, which is funny because so often when we're doing what God wants, it gets harder, right? If you were with us last Sunday, we talked about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and how you know, she, she encountered opposition. She encountered people thinking less of her. She encountered hardship. We need to understand that the closer we are to doing something that matters to the heart of God, the more likely we are to face opposition. So you receive opposition isn't a a sign that God's against you. A lot of times it's a sign that you're doing what God wants you to do, right? Mary came up against opposition. Doing what God calls you to do might annoy others, and you will probably come up against opposition. We we talked about uh, last week the only way to not have opposition is to do nothing, say nothing, and stand for nothing. Right? If we're going to do something, we're going to encounter hardship. If 2016 is going to be a year where we do something, We're going to encounter hardship. And if we're in this place, looking back at 2015, looking back at our dreams of 2015, maybe like these Jewish people who are looking back at, man, we we want to rebuild the temple. Why isn't it built yet? Why isn't it where it should be? If you look at your life and you're thinking, man, why is this not where it should be? Why do I feel empty? Maybe there's something we can learn from what Haggai says to the people here. See, for the Jewish people, the hard thing to do is to continue rebuilding the temple. Right? It's hard. But, but at the same time, the right thing to do is to continue rebuilding the temple. So this morning, where in your life is there something you need to do that, that might be hard, but is also right? right? Where in your life, it might be, it, might be, uh, it would be so easy when, when someone says something to you that hurts your feelings, it would be so easy to hold a grudge. Right? It would be so easy to stay mad at them. Maybe 2015, all of 2015, you were mad at someone. You're like, nah, I just, 
They said it. They did it. It was too bad. I just, I can't forgive them. It was too much, right? And it's, it's easy to hold on to that grudge. It's easy to stay upset with them, to not forgive them. It's hard and it's right to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us, right? Maybe, maybe for you, it's, it's uh, that in 2015, you got into debt. Maybe you were in debt way before 2015. You've got debt hanging over your head. And it would be easy to keep on getting into debt, to keep on spending more than you have and just buy whatever you want and, and to be in that consumer society, to think that things will define you, to go into more and more debt. But it's hard and right to begin to climb out of that debt, right? To, to make a budget, to have someone come alongside you and have that hard conversation where they help you go, do you need that? That's actually a luxury item and you're spending a lot on it every week. Do you, do you need to eat, you know? cherries with every meal. Maybe not, right? Maybe it's, it's, it's so easy to, to give up, whatever the thing that you're giving up is, right? It's so easy to give up on your dream. Or maybe it's something that you need to give up and it's so hard to give it up. But where in your life is there something that's hard and right that if you're looking at 2016, you're really thinking this time next year, the 3rd of January, 2017, I want to see that done, right? I, I want to see that, that wrapped up. I want to have forgiven that person. I want to have completed that qualification. I want to have that relationship. I want to be in this sort of shape. I want to have this sort of finance behind me. I want to be closer to God in this sort of way. What are we, see, this is what the prophet is helping empower the people to do. They're saying that the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. That's what they're saying. And he is essentially saying the time is now, right? If you're taking notes this morning, that the title of this message five pages into my notes, I'm telling you the title, is the time is now, right? The time is now. And my first point is the time is now, but that doesn't mean the time is easy, right? So so just stop. Stop for a moment and think. Ask yourself, is there something unfinished in my life? I want you to think, and and I want you to experience the rest of this message through the lens of what might be an unfinished thing for you. So just stop for a moment and and think back. It could have been yesterday. It could have been a month ago. It could have been a year ago. Maybe it was reaching out to someone. Man, I I know that God wants me to talk to my friend about God, to invite them along to a church service. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe maybe it was honoring God with your body. Maybe you're like, man, 2015, God really told me I needed to get in shape right? And not the round shape that I'm currently in, but like a better shape that's, that's more healthy and honoring God with my body. Maybe, it's that. Maybe it was, man, God's really telling me to serve, but I don't want to serve, and so I'm not serving, and, and yet it feels unfinished. Maybe, maybe it was to, to, to give something away to someone. You're like, man, God's really calling me to be generous, but I, I like my things, and I like my money, and I, I don't, I like my time. I don't, I want to keep it just, just stop for a moment and think, what's unfinished in your life? What, what, what maybe has God called you to do that, that we haven't done? I know there are things for me, right? I know there are things for all of us. Because as a people, our natural inclination is, yeah, that would be good to do sometime, right? And we, we don't usually say no when God asks us to do stuff. Because God's kind of big and scary and saying no to him is like, you know, oh, I don't want to do that. But, but we do say later. Now, God, the time, the time is not now. Now is not the time to rebuild your house, God. I'm just going gonna, gonna to work on my house. And I'm pretty sure that when I work on my house and I build that second ensuite, that it's going to make me feel better than building your house would. Right? Because I get to live in that house. And what, what do I get from building a temple for you? I just get to walk past it on my way to work. That's dumb. Right? Where in our life is there something that God's maybe telling us to do? And maybe it doesn't make sense, but still he's telling us to do it. And, and you don't have to decide to do it yet. 
right? Hopefully by the end of this message, you'll, you'll be thinking about it, but just hold that, that thought, that thing, that unfinished thing in your mind for the rest of the sermon, right? I think the people here today, and God is wanting to say to us what he said to the people in Haggai, that the time is now. But now would also be a good time to stop and ask why, right? Like we can be here as a people, I can hold a microphone, I can tell you, you need to finish your unfinished business, you know? God calls you to finish your own, and that's great, that's fine. But, but why? Why is God calling us to finish it, right? Is it going to help us? Is it going to benefit us? Is it just something we have to do? Or what's, what's the point, right? This, this might be your, your first time in church today, or maybe you're like me, and, and, and you've been here a thousand times, but you're inquisitive, and, and you want to understand why. What is it? Why is now the right time? Why not next year? Why, why now? And I understand God is maybe telling me to do something, but, but why should I? Right? I want to do what, what I want to do, not what, what God wants me to do. So let's jump back to, to Haggai chapter 1, verse 5. And, and it says this, Look at what's happening to you. Verse 6, You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Right, what does this mean? Right, that's quite eloquent, pretty language. But, but what does it mean to, to plant much and harvest little? Maybe in your life you're, you're pouring all your energy, all of your life into, into a career. And, and if you're honest, your life feels empty and hollow. Right, you're planting much. You're, you're sowing into something, but you feel like you're getting nothing in return. What does it mean to, to eat and not be satisfied? Right, maybe you have more stuff than you ever thought that you would, and you, you still don't feel satisfied. Right? You're consuming, you're taking in, you've got the things, you go on the holidays, you've got the car, the house, but you, you don't feel satisfied. Right? What does it mean to, to drink but still be thirsty, to put on clothes but not be able to keep warm, to have money fall through pockets like they have holes in them? Who knows that feeling? Right? I'm sure, check my balance, I'm sure I had more money than that yesterday and I don't feel like I've spent anything. Where is it going? Why is it dribbling away from me? Right, the reason that the people need to rebuild the temple is because without God in their lives, their lives have no meaning. Right, without God in their lives, their lives fall apart. And, and the reason that, that we're here today and that if you can identify with any of those feelings, if you can identify with, with planting much and harvesting little, with, with eating and never being satisfied, with drinking and staying thirsty, with putting on clothes but not being able to keep warm, with, with having money fall out of your pockets like they've got holes in them, if you can identify with that, maybe you need to rebuild the temple in your life. Maybe the reason that we experience these feelings, the reason we encounter these hardships, the reason that maybe 2015 didn't go the way we thought it would, that we're standing here thinking, man, I thought that this would be different, is because the temple isn't in the right place. Why should I do what God is telling me to do? And by extension, why should I place God at the center of my life? My second point is that without the temple, without God in our lives, nothing else has meaning. See, maybe you're here this morning and, and you know you don't have God in your life. Maybe you're here this morning and, and if you look at your life, you, you, you know that it's not, it's not how you want it to be. And I'm going to finish in around about 10 minutes. And, and just as I wrap up, I want you to consider this proposition. Maybe 2016 would be better with God in it. If you've done 2015 without him, or if you've done 2015 half-heartedly, what do you have to, to lose by, by following this guy that, 
that people around you seem to say brings meaning? What do you have to lose by, by putting your faith, by taking a chance? Maybe you're here and, and you consider yourself a Christian, but if you look at your life, the temple is in ruins. Right? God isn't the center. Like the Jewish people in Haggai, you've been building a luxurious home for yourself instead. Maybe 2016 is the year where God needs to become our center again. Right, so how do we start? Right, if we've got these, these grand ideas of, you know, without God in our life that the things don't work and, and the, the time is now, but that doesn't mean it's easy. These are all kind of ethereal ideas, right? We could leave now being like, yeah, 2016, I need to do the hard things, do the right things, put God at the center. I don't know what that means, right? Which would be all right, but, but maybe we can ground it a little bit more. Maybe we can walk out of here with a little bit more of an idea of, of what this looks like, right? If, if now is the right time and if we need God at the center of our life, how do we start? Luckily, in, in verse 7 and 8, the people are in the same position, right? Hey, guys, just reprimanded them, being like, look, your life sucks. You're drinking, being thirsty, you're eating, not being satisfied, you're cold, even though you've got clothes on, money's falling out of your pockets. It's dumb, right? It's, so, so you need to rebuild the temple, and the people are like, how do we rebuild the temple? It doesn't say that in the Bible, but it's implied. The people are like, what, okay, what, how? What do we do? We tried. Samaritans came. We got scared. We stopped. Right? How do we rebuild the temple? Right? Because by now, it's not just the fact that maybe they've forgotten how to build a temple, but it's also the fact that they don't feel good enough to do it. Right? It's not, it's not going well. There's opposition. It's, it's difficult. And this is what God says to them. Verse 7. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. See, God breaks it down really simple for them. Three simple steps to rebuild the temple. The first one is go up into the hills. Second one is bring down the timber. Third one is build my house. Right, let, let me say it again in, in case you missed it. Pretty complicated. It's three simple steps. Go up to the hills, bring down the timber, rebuild the temple. See, my, my third point is go up to the hill, bring down the timber, build the temple. Right, it, it, it's simple steps. See, the point is, is that we need to start at the start. And sometimes it looks silly. Sometimes we need to rebuild. And here's a problem, right? For so many of us, we're like, God, what about steps four, five, and six? God, God what about, I, I need details, right? When I go up into the hills, what type of timber do I get? Do, do I get the tall trees? Do I get the little trees? Do, do the trees need to be a certain width? Do the trees need to be big? Do they need to be small? Do they need to be hardwood? Do they need to be softwood? Do I need to trim off the branches before I fell the tree or after I fell the tree? When I'm bringing the tree down, should I roll it down as a log or should I cut it off into log rounds? Who's going to carry them? Can we tow them by cart? Can I carry it? God, when I build the temple, can I get a tax rebate from building the temple? Does my contribution of timber to the temple count as charitable giving? Do I get to claim it on my IR3 at the end of the year? Right, God, when I build the temple, do I get my name on the temple anywhere? Like maybe a little plaque that says, Temple built with the help of Jono. Right, and God's saying, no, 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 see, he's done that. Right, when he built the temple with Solomon, it was extravagant details. It was, this is exactly what it needs to look like. These are the dimensions. This is the, the inch by inch. This is what it needs to look like. Because Solomon was in a position where he could hear those steps and go, yeah, sweet God. If God had said to these people in Haggai, this is the temple I want you to build, right? It's going to look like this. It's this many inches anymore, and you have to start over. It has to be placed in this type of gold. They would have been like, nah, it's too hard. We're not building anything, right? Maybe in your life, you're looking at what you need to rebuild, and you're thinking you need to rebuild the temple made out of solid gold when God's just asking you to go into the hills, bring down the timber, and start building the temple. 
It's not the same temple, but it's a start. And maybe once they've built that temple out of the timber, then they can start to plate it in gold. Then they can start to dress it how it's meant to be dressed. Then they can adjust the dimensions. But maybe we need to focus on step one, two, and three before we jump to step 21, 22, and 23. Right? Because what happens is so often in my life, I need to know the details. How much time is it going to take? How long do I have to do this? How's it going to work out? Am I, am I going to... Am I going to be all right? You see, so often we have to do what God showed us before he reveals more. And we say, God, I want the details. And God says, you can't handle the details. The details will scare you too much. I'll give you what you need when you get there. But you need to take the first step. See, what do you need to do? If 2016 is going to be a year that we can look back on and not say, man, I wish that had happened. If 2016 is going to be a year where we can achieve what we need to achieve, we need to know that it's going to be hard. We need to have God at the center. And whatever we're starting, we just need to start. Whatever we're starting, we need to go at it with the, with the attitude of go to the hills, bring down the timber, start building the temple. Right? Maybe for you it's, man, in, in 2016, I really want to honor God with my body. I want to get fit, but, but I don't know where to start. Maybe your three steps are start eating healthy, get eight hours of sleep, and start exercising. Right? Start putting out more than you're putting in. Maybe it's that simple. You don't need to worry about CrossFit and running a marathon and buying all the Lululemon gear quite yet. Right? Maybe it's just starting. Starting walking once a day. You know, so often we're like, oh, I, can't, I can't start exercising because I can't run. You know, walking is exercise too. We can do that. Right? Maybe it's, I can't walk. Maybe it's just that you do what Patty does, and you printed a different printer at work, which makes you walk across the building. Right? He doesn't do that for exercise. He's very fit. He does that because he needs to get out of his little cube office. Right? But, but maybe, maybe it's, man, this year I need to get out of debt. And, and, and maybe for you, you, you don't know where to, where to start, and it might just be getting help from somebody who knows what they're doing, spending less than you earn, and start prioritizing paying down debt. Right? Three simple things. Maybe your marriage isn't really good. Right? Maybe, maybe it's get a couple alongside you who have been there, humble yourself, and stop talking in you and start talking in me. Right? Maybe it's just small things. Maybe you want to get closer to God, and it might just be read a Bible plan once a day. Not necessarily a big one, but one that's enough that you're still interested when you stop reading. Right? You don't want to read the Bible and be bored by the end. If you can only read one verse, read one verse. If you're still interested, read another one. If you don't feel like it, just stop there and think about that verse. Right? Because so often we read so much of the Bible that we're like, oh, too much Bible, I don't want to think about it. It just kind of defeats the purpose. Like the word's good, but if we don't think over the word, we haven't really read it. Right? So maybe it's just starting there, right? Being a person who, who prays. It doesn't have to be long. It just has to be earnest. Right? Maybe you start praying and it's 10 seconds every morning. God, thank you for today. And uh, let's do stuff. Right? And, and then it's going to stretch out. We start building the temple. We go to the hills. We bring down the temple, and we start building the temple. Maybe it's just saying grace. Maybe it's fasting something, attending church, joining an e-group. What do I do? Go up to the hills, bring down the timber, build the temple. It's step by step by step. Right? So often I want God to show me everything. And, and God might not show me steps four, five, and six. Because often if I saw where this was going, I wouldn't take step one. God, I can't do the gold temple. I'm not going to get the wood, right? But God's giving us what we can understand, and then we'll move on. But the person I will be at step four is different to the person I am at step one, right? You're a different person. You can do more. Step four for me can, step four me can take step five. Step one me can't take step three, right? Do what's in front of you. What 
do we do? What can we do walking out of this building on the first Sunday of the year? Right, the way to get started is to quit talking and start doing. That's it. Talking is great. Discussing things is fantastic. It's great to build community around you, discuss what you want to do, where you want to go. That's awesome. But talking doesn't get you there. We need to start doing. Quit thinking about it, quit talking about it, and go up into the hills today. Right, do something today. Do the next thing that God has showed you and do it today. Just as I get the band up. You know, 2016 is going to be whatever year we make it. And we know, as a church, we know that this church is called to be something. The reason we know that is because every church is called to be something. Every church is called to, to be the answer to their city's problems. Right, and you might look around on this the first Sunday of 2016, and sure, lots of people are on holiday and, and everything else, but there are empty seats. Right, even when everyone is here, there are empty seats. And there are empty seats for a reason. Right, we, we were in a building down the road where we didn't have empty seats. And that's fine, and it feels great, and it's comfortable, and you can pat yourself out on the back because you can be like, yeah, today I preached to a, to a congregation, and it was full. I must be amazing. I must be the best preacher in the world because it was full. Right, which is not how it works at all. And if I think like that, then someone should take the microphone off me very quickly. Right, but as a church, what are we going to commit to doing? As a church, as we look at our 2016, what are we thinking? Sure, it's important to think for ourselves, right, for our lives. This is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. In 2016, this is the place that I want to be this time next year. I don't want to be standing here saying I thought things would be different. But as a church, where do we want to go? As a church, what do we want to dream about? As a church, what are we deciding? This is the change we will make. These are the people we will invite. These are the seats we will fill with the hopeless and the lost out there that need to be in here. See, on, on, on January 31st, we're going to have Vision Sunday, right? And it's only, it's probably, I think, two or three Sundays away from now. Two Sundays. Three Sundays. Two Sundays. I'm not sure. Two or three Sundays. Three Sundays. Thanks. Right, but on January 31st, are you going to be here? Right, maybe you're just visiting. That's fine. That's fine. But are you going to be in your church on your Vision Sunday or whatever you call it? Are you going to gather together as a church and decide, actually, I'm not just going to be someone who sits in a seat. I'm not just going to be someone who attends, but I know this church needs to do something. This church needs to make a difference in my city. And I actually realize that I'm a part of that, that I'm a part of the answer, that I'm a part of the solution, that what needs to happen actually can't happen without me. Are you going to choose to place yourself? And you don't have to, right? If we made you do it, it wouldn't work. If someone made me be here, it wouldn't be fun. It wouldn't work. This wouldn't, yeah, no, right? But in, in January 31st, are you going to choose to be a part of the vision of Equippers Church Wellington? To come along and, and to say, man, I'm going to take on some of that burden. I want us to dream so big that I have to be a part of it because it's not going to happen without me. See, as a church, 2016 is going to be a great year, right? Regardless, but we get to decide how great, right? Are we just going to fill that side? Is it just going to be that side? Just however many, what, that's 30 more, 50 more people, right? 50 people out in Wellington who currently don't know God. Is that what we're aiming for? That would be fantastic. But is it going to be both sides? Is it going to be 100 people who at the moment are sitting somewhere in the city, destitute and lonely, saying, man, I, I, I need something bigger than me. Why was 2015 so horrible? Why do I hurt so much? Is, is it going to be the back? Is it going to be the top? Are we going to decide, man, as a church, we need to reach everyone we can possibly come into contact with because they need to know the gospel. 
right? How big are we going to dream? On this, the first Sunday of 2016, are we rebuilding the temple or are we building an extension on our house? We're building something this year, but it's up to us what it is. And I just want to encourage you, right? And in my life, what I've found so far is when I build the temple, the house builds itself. When I focus on God, when I focus on building what He says, what, what He needs, I look at my house and I'm like, wow, there's a, someone put in an extension for me. Right, I focus on the temple, I turn around and I'm like, oh, j- jacuzzi. Right, God builds in our house way more than we could ever. And maybe He'll build something in your house you didn't know you wanted. You didn't know you needed, right? You're like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a swimming pool. And you turn around and God's built a fireplace. And you're like, what? Why are you built a fireplace? But then he brings people into your life who need to huddle around a fire and be warmed. Right? Where are we trusting God that, that he knows what he's doing? That he's the master builder. Let him build the house as we focus on the temple. Just as you, as you bow your heads and close your eyes. You know, I asked earlier, would 2016 be better with God in it? Right? Maybe you're here and you've walked in and you know that 2015 was a year on your own. 2015 was hard and, and maybe the primary reason that it was hard is because you were trying to be God. You were trying to make the difference. You were trying to join the dots. You were trying to keep the, the stars in the sky. Maybe 2016 would be better with God in it. Not, not, not as a token gesture, maybe not as the, the religious observation that you've been doing, but with God in it as God. God in it as someone you follow, as someone you honor, as, as someone you prioritize. How many years have you tried on your own? Right, so if, you, if you're here this morning and, and in a minute, I'm just gonna get you to raise your hand and it's not anything special, it's not anything magical, but what I'm offering is the chance to pray a prayer with me. And again, I'm not special, I'm not magical, the prayer's not special, but your decision is. So just as everyone has their, their heads bowed and their eyes closed, if you're here this morning and, and you know, man, God, I need 2016 to be different. And I think the way it needs to be different is because you're in it in a different way than you're in 2015, in a bigger way. God, I need you. If you're here this morning and this is your decision, you want to pray this prayer to ask God into your life, to make him your God. I just want you to raise your hand to let me know now. Just as I look around. Cool, I haven't seen any hands yet. I'm just going to give it a few more moments. If this is you, if you know that 2016 is a year when you need God, it needs to not just be you, there needs to be something different. Just one more time, if that's you, I'm just going to give you this opportunity to raise your hand. Cool. Cool. If 2016 is going to be different for us then, if I can make the assumption that we're all here because we all believe in God, If 2016 is going to be different, we need to know that the time is now. But that doesn't mean the time is easy. We need to know that that without the temple, without God in our life, nothing else has meaning. We will eat but not be satisfied. We will drink but still be thirsty. And we need to finally know to do the thing that we need to do, to finish the unfinished business, to build the temple, to be able to look back at 2016 and say, that happened. I'm, I'm where I thought I would be. We need to go up to the hill, bring down the timber, and build the temple. So just as you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to pray a prayer for us. A prayer over 2016, that it would be different. 
God, thank you that 2016 can be a year when we embrace that the time is now. God, that it might not be easy. God, that it, 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 might, not, it might not flow like we want it to flow. It might be hard. We might come up against opposition. But God, thank you that we're not doing it in our strength. God, that we're doing 2016 with you. And I pray that, that we would build people around us to support us, build a support network, that we would join an e-group, that we would serve in a team, that we would do whatever it, it needs to happen so that we can be connected in a way that strengthens us. God, I pray that, that 2016 would be a year when you were at the center. God, thank you that it's great to have a house. God, that it's, it's great to build our lives. But, but thank you so much more that when we build into you, when we give to you and we sow into you, God, not out of obligation, not out of a sense of duty, but because we want to, because we love you, because we're honoring you. When we do that, God, that, that you build us and we build something bigger than us, something that lasts, something that is ultimately worth building. And God, I finally pray that, that in this 2016 that we would just start. Whatever it is that's our unfinished business, whatever it is that, that we look at and we say, man, I need to do that. I need to finish that, that dream, that project, that, that assignment, that person, whatever it is that we would say 2016 is the year I get that done. 2015 will not be a, uh, 2016 will not be 2015. I will not look back on this year and wish that I had done more. That today we would walk out of here and we would know that the first step is just starting. God, help us to start. Help us to be bold enough, to be brave enough, to trust you enough, to go up into the hills, to bring down the timber, and to start building the temple. In your name, amen.